Hello NFL fans, it's Monday, which means we have another edition of Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. This is our fourth episode of this show. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb, coming at you on Monday. Of course, you can be listening to this podcast any day of the week on footballnation.com. We have a lot of great news, the latest news in the NFL coming at you in the next half hour. So let's get right to it. Our leading story... Coming really from the weekend, there was a lot of discussion about moving an NFL team to London. And we've talked on this show, actually, and, and um, there's been a lot of other talk around the NFL about expansion to Los Angeles and the possibility of that. London has joined the conversation, and Robert Kraft is now one of the leading owners in, in supporting the expansion to London. Me, personally, I spent nearly four months in London through a study of abroad program through my, my school, Syracuse University. So I, I think I, I can weigh in a pretty good opinion on, on the matter. I don't agree with moving a team to London. Um, there, there's, just, there's a lot of question marks that I think need to be weighed out. I think it, it could be done. But it just doesn't seem like a very good idea. And now Roger Goodell and Robert Kraft are they just are quickly pushing a team for London and I don't think anybody has stopped to think about it. So let's stop and think seriously about what it would mean to have a team in London. My first point that I wanted to make, by the way, you can look at all the points that I'm I I'm going to make through this podcast through my article that I wrote about this. Uh, it's an older article. It, it's um, from February uh, when I was in London, but um, all the points are still relevant. So if you care to check that out, um, look for that article on our website. My first concern with moving a team to London is the traveling. Obviously, traveling to London. It, it, it requires a lot of time, a lot of fuel, a lot of money. Uh, it's over seven hours there, uh, and even longer coming back, uh, eight hours coming back. Uh, that's a lot of time to dedicate to travel, and, and the concern with traveling, even more than the actual travel time, is the time zone difference. We always have West Coast teams or or, te- or People in the media complaining that teams can't from the West Coast can't play on the East Coast because it's three hours earlier. How is it going to work when teams have to go to London and the time zone is a five-hour difference? That is quite an adjustment to make in just a couple of days and then play a football game. So in my article, I, I, I shot around some ideas. Are teams going to have bye weeks over there while they're flying to London? Because it, it's quite an adjustment to to go over to London and obviously you can practice the day that you travel or maybe the day after but in your best interest you might rest a little so then you have less practice time for London so 
ideally, you might want to have that bye week before you go play in London. And that would require the scheduling for every team that goes to play in London to have a bye week before that game. And it just kind of defeats the purpose of a bye week if that's your... Well, it, it doesn't defeat the purpose of a bye week, but if that's your only bye week of the whole season, I'm sure teams would rather be comfortable in their own home or their you know their own stadium, their own practice facility for their that two-week bye week and, and, um, and rest. Of course, for the London team, the team that's pl- that its home is London, how are they going to make trips to the U.S. and then go back to London for a game the next week? It's just it's very a lot of a lot of traveling. Especially imagine if the team in London had to play San Francisco, had to play Oakland. That you know it's an eight-hour or seven-hour flight from the East Coast. I didn't count from San Francisco or, or to get out west to play, say, even a Denver, that's an extra three or four hours. So that's 12-hour 12 12 hour, um, plane ride. But the time difference, again, eight-hour difference, that is a huge difference in, in time that it's going to be very hard to get used to for just a week and then immediately go back. So in my article, I actually proposed... Maybe London could play all their home games either the first half or the second half of the season and then be on the road for either the first or second half and just stay in the U.S. Now, that's not ideal either. You know, you, you're you're a nomads. You don't you, – all your home games are at the beginning and then you have to play all your road games and you, you don't get to live in your home in London or, or have the facilities that you're used to. So that's obviously not ideal either. But the second issue is the stadium. Where are they going to play? Now, obviously, the easy choice would be Wembley Stadium. Wembley Stadium is it's the new Wembley Stadium that they built, I believe, in 2007. I, I, I got a tour of the new stadium, Wembley, and saw a, a, a football game, a.k.a. soccer game, there uh, over, over the semester I was abroad. But... During the tour, it was very interesting. Our tour guide said that they're only allowed to have between 30 and 40 events a season, or, or per year, I should say. So I, I think it was 35 or 36 events. Let's say it's between 30 and 40 events. And they hold concerts. They hold soccer games. They hold the FA Cup is hosted there. Now they, if they want to have, and they have the one NFL game, but now if they wanted to have an NFL team, they would have to guarantee eight to 10 events, um, if, including playoffs, would be there. I don't know if they can guarantee that. The, the reason why they have 30 to 40 events in that neighborhood is because the neighborhood gets to vote how many events are at the stadium. And it's really a shame that you have this great stadium. It was a fantastic stadium. But they only get to have, again, like 35 or 36 events a year because of the neighborhood ordinance. And... Of the 365 days in the year, it's only used 35 days. It's that's that's really quite a shame. But nobody outside, or maybe not even in the NFL, realizes that Wembley is under that ordinance. Maybe they'll put, set aside 10 games for the NFL. I don't know. I would suspect that Wembley is not going to set aside a third of their events, almost a third of their events, for an American sport. I, I don't know. 
but I'm speculating that they wouldn't do that. Now, it's getting, it is a little interesting with the Olympics that are going on over there right now. They built another stadium at the Olympic site on the east side of London. That could be a possible location for the NFL team as they don't know who is going to use that stadium when it's done. That's used for, not, obviously not football for the Summer Olympics, but um, soccer and other various sports that are outside in a stadium. I believe London has, the city of London has talked about keeping that stadium even after the Olympics are, are done, uh, but it really wouldn't be used for much. So that could be a possibility of a location for the NFL team. These are just things that need to be worked out before we say there should be a team in London. Now moving right along down the list, the players. Do players want to play in London? I don't know. I, I, they're, obviously, I, I don't have any connections to any real NFL players. But I do know that Kyle Orton said a quote to the media that he would be willing to play in London. He thought it was a really great city. Um, it, it was... Uh, a cool spot um, to to have a football team, and he thought that players would would want to come over. That that's one player's opinion. I, I if there's an NFL team I, there, I hope that would be true. But we can't have a situation where a college kid is drafted out of college, number one pick. If um, if London has the number one overall pick or even the top five. And the guy doesn't want to play in London because he doesn't want to go overseas. I just think that would be a crime. If there's going to be a team over there, it has to be treated the same way as all the other teams. That's why it, it having them be nomads for like the second half of the year wouldn't be ideal either. How can you convince Americans that they want to go over and live in London? Now, if you go to London and, and experience it, even as an American... I think you would want to live there because it was a fantastic city. But these are NFL players we're talking about. They're expecting to live in America. A lot of these players are from, from mid-America, like um, Justin Blackman from Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State would be quite a different uh, transition or, or, or different place than London. And I, I, I just don't know. I'm not saying that either is better than the other. I just think it... It'd be interesting to see if you can get these athletes, American athletes, from these smaller Midwest or small middle America colleges and then convince them they want to go overseas to a place like London. Those were all the concerns I covered in, in my article. There, there were other articles this week which started the boom of, or the boom talk of, of moving a team to London. Uh, Daniel Hutchinson wrote a nice article about NFL expansion to London instead of Los Angeles. I'd say you, you should check it out. Uh, something that he talked about was the NFL Europe and how it didn't work uh, when it was in Europe. And actually, the place the NFL was most popular in Europe was Germany. So it's kind of curious why want to put a team in London when Germany had the biggest draw. Which brings me to another point that I actually had in my article are these actually Londoners going to the this once-a-year game in London? I don't think so. I mean, it's hard to really figure out to, to, um, to you know, anything short of taking a poll. You wouldn't really be able to tell if it's all Londoners or 
Americans going to this game that's at Wembley every year. But I, while talking to my tour guide on the tour of Wembley, he said that, yes, it's a very popular game. A lot of Americans come. They travel over and they stay for a week, this and that. And that's great. I think that's a great, a great thing for the city. It's been a very popular event. We can keep doing a, a one-game in London every year, although I think it's unfair for the team that the teams that have to travel and the team that loses a home game. But we can have one game there because there are a lot of displaced Americans that just want to go and watch football. A lot of the player, a lot of the fans that go to this game are Americans. They're not Londoners, and I think people don't realize that either. I don't think there's a big draw to American football by British people. And if there's going to be a regular team in London, there would have to be a draw from British people. I don't think you're going to get enough support from displaced Americans to have a team in London. Again, that's just my opinion, but the displaced Americans already have teams that they root for, and I just don't, I don't know if they're going to switch to, they, they could, they could switch to London, and, and you could argue if the demand is there from the displaced Americans, then then go for the team. But it's just another thing that they should look into. And my overall point in this is this has not been looked into enough. The stadium, the the, the players, do they want to go? The fans, do they want to go? Are they British? Are they American? Even questions like visas. Now, I know a lot of soccer players get visas for the various countries that they play in that they don't live in. So that, that could probably work the same way. But another interesting point that uh, we, I was having a discussion with Justin Bonneman and Tom Polin on Twitter, and something that Justin brought up, isn't this exactly like exporting jobs? Don't we complain that Americans or, or the United States don't, doesn't have enough jobs anymore because they export everything overseas? Well, now we're <laughs> exporting jobs of, say, the St. Louis Rams, of all the concession stands um, and, and vendors that we should call them in St. Louis at the games, not at the games, selling m merchandise. That's all going to go overseas, and we're going to lose money the, as a country. It, I don't think the NFL should be worried about that necessarily, but it was a really interesting, intelligent point by Justin that really makes you think that this has just not been thought through and... Although London was a fantastic city, I want to go back one day. There's no reason to have an NFL team there. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with our two other segments of today. Back here on Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. This is the fourth podcast of the show. I hope you're enjoying your first week of July and also enjoying our Beach Boy music that we have today. What better music to listen to as hopefully you're at the beach in this first week of July and um, dealing with the heat. And I hope everyone has a great 4th of July that's coming up on Wednesday. 
I'm just going to drop my Twitter handle real quick. It's D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. And you can also email me your comments about today's show. D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B-06 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear any comments that you have about this show or something we can include next week. You can always drop a comment on the article itself that the podcast is is posted in. Or email me to, uh, or, or tweet at me. Or if you even just want to have a conversation about the NFL, I'd I'd love to do that as well. But we're going to have a real quick uh, player in focus segment. Uh, We spent a lot of time discussing London today, so we'll shorten our player in focus segment just a bit. But today's player is Aaron Rodgers. And the reason why we chose him today was because he was voted number one by his peers, the NFL players, as the best player in the NFL right now. And uh, of course, came at you from NFL.com. There was a good article about it on Football Nation written by Ross Capuana. He's newer to our site, footballnation.com. He has three articles, but his latest article was about Aaron Rodgers, the best player in the NFL. And although Ross is a Packer fan, so I imagine there's a little bias there, I, I agree with him that Aaron Rodgers, I would say Aaron Rodgers is the best player. I, I pause there to, to reconsider. It's tough. It's really hard to choose one player uh, in the NFL who's the best. I think Aaron Rodgers is a good choice, though. Uh, looking at the top five that were on that list, Aaron Rodgers was number one. Drew Brees is number two. Calvin Johnson Tom Brady, Darrell Revis. Those are the top five. It's interesting that there are three quarterbacks in the top five. Of course, we have a quarterback league now in the NFL, we always say. Uh, Calvin Johnson uh, Calvin Johnson was ranked number one by fans, so that that's interesting. But um, Aaron Rodgers, number one by his peers. And certainly a really good pick. He made his first all-pro team last year. He's now made two Pro Bowl teams. But what's impressive is he has a league MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, and a Super Bowl ring. And quarterbacks are normally judged by the number of Super Bowls they have, obviously passing yards and other statistics, MVPs and such, are important. But quarterbacks are judged by their Super Bowl rings, and Aaron Rodgers already has his one and has a pretty good shot of getting a couple more, I'd say, so the one criticism I have of this NFL.com list while we're on the subject is I know the NFL is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately league, but the list seems to emphasize that a little bit too much. There's guys that should be ranked higher, I feel like, on merit, and that doesn't always stand true with guys like maybe a Peyton Manning. I know he was injured last year. But Peyton Manning is still Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was pretty far down on this list. I have to scroll down to find him. 50. Peyton Manning is ranked number 50. Peyton Manning is still Peyton Manning. I know he might not be the same when he comes back. I realize that. But as of right now, I would say he's still Peyton Manning. And maybe he's not ranked in the top 10. But I still think he's a top 25 player uh, with the career that he's had. I think his merit, his record, keeps him towards the top. But that's just my opinion in in what 
and how the list should be worked. Obviously, that's not the case. It really is a, what have you done for me lately and very lately, as in like the last few days or the last week. This, this, they could have come out with a new list every week and it would change pretty dramatically is, is how the list works. But Aaron Rodgers, as of right now, this offseason, going into the 2012 season, is ranked number one, and looking at his stats, he certainly deserves that. And he will be a Packer legend, I'm assuming, for a long time. Uh, he definitely will follow in the footsteps of Brett Favre and Bart Starr, maybe even surpass their legends. Already has one Super Bowl ring, which Brett Favre got. I think he has a realistic chance of getting more than two, which is what Bart Starr got. So, Rodgers, a great choice for number one. We're going to take a quick break. Here is more, more Beach Boys music. But when we come back, we will do the fourth and long segment. I may not always love you, but long as there are stars above you, you never need to doubt it. I'll make you so sure about it. God only knows what I'd be without you. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Don't forget to let me know what you think about today's show, or if you even want to just have a conversation about football, you can contact me. We're going to move right along to the fourth and long segment. I'll explain how it works. I'm going to say three statements, and with each one, I'm going to either say I was punting or grunting. And if I'm punting, I disagree with the statement. If I grunt, I'm going with the statement and agreeing with it. So let's get right to it. The first one is from an article by Joel Tradian. I hope I'm saying that right. I actually had a conversation with Joel over one of my articles about the Detroit Lions. I'm guessing he's a Detroit Lions fan. But he, in his article, wrote about how the Lions made a shrewd or intelligent move by extending Schwartz. I'm going to grunt uh, and agree that although Joel and I disagree with how Jim Schwartz should handle his players, uh, in my, one of my articles lately I talked about how he <laughs> should control his players more or have some more discipline. Um, that's some uh, criticism that's going to be around Schwartz, I think, for a long time, that he, he lacks discipline as a coach. But he's obviously turned the Lions around and made them into a contender, made them into a winner. And I, I just think that if he wants to take that next step now, discipline could be something that makes the difference in getting them from a playoff team to a Super Bowl team. But right now, they're a playoff team. I think... Think they? I think going into this season, they're a little overrated. They are going to be in a really tough division with the Bears and Packers, but I think they will contend in that division and possibly win nine or ten games again, maybe even eleven. I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs, but I still think signing Jim Schwartz to an extension is a great move. He is your man in getting this team to the top of the league for the first time in over fifty years. So great article from Joel. Check it out. The next one is from, again, Anthony King. He seems to show up on my show every week, or his articles do. There was a series of most overrated and underrated players from every team 
that are, is on our website, footballnation.com. I'm going to talk about Carolina Panthers article that was written by Anthony King. Cam Newton, he said, was the most overrated player for the Carolina Panthers. I'm going to grunt. I don't agree with all of King's reasons, but I just think Newton is being overhyped as one of the better quarterbacks or now one of the better players in the league. And he really is not. It's just he, he showed a lot of promise last year. He threw 21 touchdowns versus 17 interceptions. Not a great ratio, but pretty good for a rookie. He threw for a lot of yards early in the season. He is a quarterback that could be really good, like really, really good, in three or four years. But right now, the hype around him just turns me off him just because he did break 4,000 yards but the the rating was 84.5 was the the passer rating these are all great numbers from a rookie but Newton wants to be more than a rookie sensation and right now that's all he is to me he he isn't a top 5 quarterback he's not a top 10 quarterback i think it's absurd to list him among names like Eli Manning or even Ben Roethlisberger Philip Rivers. These are all quarterbacks that have that people now think Cam Newton might be better than. He's just there's a lot of hype around him. I'm not and I'm not saying Cam Newton is not good, but one of the things that get you overrated is just there's there's a tremendous amount of hype, and there's a lot of hype around Newton. And unfortunately, he's going to have to live up to that hype. He made the Pro Bowl last year ahead of Matt Stafford, who threw for five thousand yards, which just is absurd. How how did Matt Stafford threw twenty more touchdowns, threw for a thousand more yards, had a higher completion percentage, higher passer rating, and threw less interceptions, not make the Pro Bowl over Cam Newton? Those are all points that were made by Anthony King, and then King went on to compare Newton's stats to Roethlisberger's, which is impressive, I'd say, for a two-time Super Bowl quarterback that Newton is being compared to. But Ben Roethlisberger wasn't hyped up to be one of the best statistic quarterbacks of 2011, so Cam Newton shouldn't be as well. It's really funny how much their stats really mirror each other. So our last point on fourth and long segment, I'm also going to be grunting on this one. The, the, we're going to move into college for a little bit. The BCS and their four-team playoff for... To, to determine the national champion now. I'm going to grunt, but I'm going to actually end up pooch punting it away. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually really just wanted to say pooch punt on our, our show today. But I, I do agree that this is a step in the right direction. So I, I like the move from the BCS. The, there's a part of me that does like the one team, you know, the just the national championship, the way it's set up right now. But it'd be nice to see a playoff. There's no, there's no playoff system in college football. Obviously, it's really the last sport that has no playoffs, and it would be exciting to see the matchups, the matchup possibilities with the the BCS games or bowls being playoff games instead. You get some crazy matchups from various conferences. 
it's it's it still will be a money draw. I think when sponsors say we don't want to sponsor just a regular playoff game, I I, I think that's a lie. Their the, the sponsor money will still be there, and this is a step in the right direction. I think eventually they're going to have an eight-team playoff. I don't see them going to a 16-team playoff. That's, that just seems like too many games, too many teams. But a four-team playoff is certainly better than what we had. I, I think most people can agree to that. And then eventually this is going to work towards probably an eight-team playoff. And in terms of, you know, well, with four teams, somebody's going to be left out that that deserves to be in there. Same with an eight-team playoff. That ninth team doesn't get in there, and they're going to be upset. We hear it every year with college basketball, the NCAA tournament. Now there's 68 teams. The 69th team always has a grudge. They're always angry. Well, I, I just think rather than complaining that you didn't get in it, that you didn't make the Final Four in the, in the college football or the Final Eight if it becomes Final Eight, why don't you go out and win another game or, or Im- improve on your season rather than complaining about what the the computer chose and we teams aren't hold, held to that count, accountability anymore that they can just complain that oh we deserve to be in we deserve to be in well yeah you had a great season it'd be great if you were in but to be honest you're you're not going to win the national championship more than likely you're not because you're ranked ninth next year get in the top eight, or next year get in the top four. That, that's just my feeling with, you know, the, that people argue that it's not enough teams that just keep expanding it. Well, you can't have everybody in the playoffs. It's just, you know, this isn't Little League. So this is college football. It's a step in the right direction to what I think they're eventually going to do with an A-team playoff before teams is certainly better than what we had. So that's it for our fourth and long segment. If you agree or disagree with any of my choices, let me know. My Twitter handle is dmholcomb. My Gmail account, dmholcomb06 at gmail.com. We're going to take a quick break and then wrap up today's show. Welcome back to Football Nation's podcast, Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. I hope you've enjoyed our Beach Boys music that came from the album Pet Sounds, one of the best rock and roll albums of all time, coming out in 1966. I figured Beach Boys was a fitting pairing with Fleetwood Mac this week because of the 4th of July holiday. I hope everybody enjoys their 4th of July on Wednesday, and perhaps you're at the beach enjoying some Beach Boys music. But to wrap up our show today, I wanted to point out a new writer on our website, footballnation.com, Sean Maher. I hope I am pronouncing your name right, Sean. Um, I've had a few conversations with him about the Cincinnati Bengals and Marvin Lewis with his owner um, situation. That's a possible article that either Sean or I could be writing later this week. Um, and Pay attention to a couple article ideas that I'm hoping to turn into articles this week. Hope to follow up on another London article, uh, possibly a Cincinnati Bengal Marvin Lewis story as well. But John has written two articles now, and I, I particular, in particular liked his first article on 
uh, center Dermonte Dawson from the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, made the Hall of Fame this year. So he's part of the class of 2012, drafted in 1988, and replaced the great center Mike Webster for the Steelers. And he, he it should have been a long time. It's well, it's been a long time coming for Dawson to make the Hall of Fame. I, I thought he should have been in it a few years ago, but it doesn't matter. He's getting in it now, and you should read Sean's article um, that's really nice profile on Dawson and talking about his career with the Steelers. And, of course, we always like getting new writers for our website, and Sean is a new budding uh, star, maybe you could say. <laughs> um, he, 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 so far, he's written uh, good stuff. That's all I have for today. I Once again, enjoy your first week of July. Happy 4th of July. Happy birthday to the United States. Well, that's all I got. I hope I brightened your Monday or whatever day you're listening a little bit. But I'm going to go try to find some peace in my mind.